fun to watch. Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street. Five, four, three, two, one. From beautiful and sunny Washington, D.C., it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Bobby Blanco here, soon to be joined by Amy Jennings in just a bit. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Tuesday midday. Hopefully, you're taking your lunch break right now and being able to catch us live on um, our Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, or even live on Twitter. Uh, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and being a part of the conversation. And, um, you know, if you're not watching us live, what are you doing? Be sure to subscribe across all those platforms. Or uh, if you prefer, just check out the podcast after the fact on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or SoundCloud. Wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Mass and All Access podcast. Let me bring in my co-host, Amy Jennings, who is joining me via Zoom from the safety of her own home. Amy, uh, it's a beautiful day out. Um, I am now using our podcast as a countdown to opening day. We're the uh, Each week, I feel like we're getting closer and closer, which, of course, we are. And uh, we've only got three more to go after this week uh, before opening day. That's really kind of hard to believe, especially because the offseason feels so long, especially when we're doing this podcast and sometimes – there's not a whole lot of moves going on or whatever it may be. So it's kind of hard to believe that we've made it through almost the entire off season. And it's almost time for not only halfway through spring training, but for the regular season to begin. It's, it's kind of hard to believe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, we're 23 days away from opening day. So under a month. And uh, like I said, week by week, we're getting closer and closer, inching closer. I also have to bring up the fact, Amy, that now that we are firmly into March and uh, you are very, you and I are big basketball fans that we completely jinxed our Terrapins last week. Uh, Bobby, we were... <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, that was terrible, terrible. Uh, bragging a little too much about a dominant win over Michigan State, and then they dropped the next two to Mark Zuckerman's Northwestern Wildcats, and then un, un, blew a huge lead Sunday night at home on senior day to the Penn State Nittany Lions, and they'll get the Spartans again to open the Big Ten tournament on Thursday. So I say we avoid the Terps talk for today, um, and maybe next week we can revisit and hopefully celebrate a couple wins at least in Indy. That's right. We're going to stick to baseball today. We can't jinx anything. We're just... We'll avoid it all around. That's why I went the neutral colors. Great. I mean, I usually try to wear right or maybe a Maryland polo um, on, on the show. But uh, yeah, no, I'm just going to avoid it this time because it did not work out so well last week, uh, losing to two of the worst teams in the conference. But back to baseball. Uh, we've got a pack, another packed show for you. Um, a lot of content coming out of spring training. Of course, Amy and I unfortunately cannot be down there, but we're doing the best we can. Um, from some of the live streams we've been able to see on MLB.com to listening to radio broadcasts, of course, reading Mark Zuckerman um, of co- uh, throughout the course of spring training, who, who's doing his best uh, covering from his home as well. Um, before we get to the nitty-gritty of our podcast, which is breaking down the state of the Nationals rotation, we're going to be looking at all of you. We know all the names, but uh, we're going to look at each individual pitcher um, and, and how what their expectations are going to be for the 2021 season because no, we know the Nationals rely heavily on that rotation, on that staff. Um, there's also some breaking news uh, from Sunday, which we're going to touch on in just a second. Uh, but be sure, back to the content, be sure you are subscribed to uh, the YouTube channel. All press conferences and news are being posted on our YouTube channel, at Mass and Nationals on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe. Catch all the uh, updates throughout the course of spring training, um, pregame, postgame, all that stuff. 
Um, and of course, follow on all our social media channels as well. And give Mark Zuckerman a follow at Mark Zuckerman on Twitter for the latest news. Uh, but speaking of the latest news, um, we got to touch on this just real briefly, Amy, because it did come out a couple of days ago. Jeremy Jeffers was released by the Nationals on Sunday. Uh, a guy that was signed just two weeks ago to a minor league deal with an invitation to spring training. And within those two weeks, he had already kind of climbed up the depth chart a little bit in that bullpen. And people were expecting him to be a major role in this bullpen. Uh, and then, of course, he was released Sunday due to personnel reasons, um, which the Nationals did not elaborate too much more on that. But Jeremy Jeffers no longer with the organization. Yeah, it was it's kind of disappointing as far as, you know, we look forward to this bullpen depth. And not only was he, he a sure path to making the roster, but a sure path to being a key piece in that bullpen. So that's kind of disappointing, I imagine, disappointing for the Nationals. And we don't really know what it was. We know it was personal. Um, and and what was the other word they used, Bobby? Personal? And it's personnel, ha- actually, not personal. I thought that was a spelling error, too. I thought that uh, because the message was relayed via a, a Nationals PR spokeswoman, and uh, I thought that over text message, that was an unfortunate autocorrect, but it is personnel, not personal. So in terms of personnel... Uh, Got and it. Okay. So, and it was not relating to anything on the bit. We're going to hear from Mike Rizzo in just a, a, bit, a bit. I cut up the clip that uh, he, he of him talking about it throughout his press conference yesterday, the first time we heard from Rizzo um, since the start of spring training. Uh, but yeah, personnel, nothing to do with on baseball activity or performance. Uh, he described it as a uh, employment issue. Employment. Yep. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So we don't really know what happened. And, um, you know, the Nationals try to stay true to their philosophy and what they expect of guys. Uh, We don't really know what what the issue was. He had had off-field issues before. No idea what it was. So you can't really speculate. But he will not be with the Nationals this year. And that definitely um, kind of bumps down the level of their bullpen depth. Although some guys have really stepped up throughout spring training. And and we'll talk about that more as we get closer, uh, kind of the state of the bullpen as we get closer to the season. But there is a good outlook regardless. So that's good news for the Nationals. Yeah, today we're touching on the state of the rotation. Next week, we'll be touching on the state of the bullpen. Of course, we know the Nationals prize their pitching arms and their their pitching depth and uh, rely heavily on their hurlers. So uh, we'll be talking more about the bullpen next week. But because this news came down just a couple days ago, we figured uh, we would have to touch on a little bit. But like you said, Amy, we don't want to speculate what happened. Um, and you know, there's not too much more we can really add to the conversation other than like hearing from the man himself. So here is Mike Rizzo, uh, yesterday addressing reporters, um, and sticking by the statement, the nationals released that Jeremy Jeffers was, um, let go due to personnel reasons. What, what can you share with us? Um, if you can, about the decision yesterday to release Jeremy Jeffers. Yeah, we're, we're just going to stand by the statement I made yesterday that, you know, it's a personnel matter. We're, you know, we're not going to discuss it any further. It's, it's per our policy on uh, on personnel matters, and uh, and we're just going to keep it at that. Sure. Um, and and this, this this may sound like I'm assuming it was some um, issue, and I, so I'm going to preface it saying I don't assume that. And But what kind of work do you guys do ahead of time when someone maybe has a few things in their past um, in terms of research when you sign a guy? Just kind of give us an idea of that process. Yeah, again, we're not we're not going to get into that. It's you know, that's uh, uh, kind of getting into the Jeffers uh, situation. But, you know, uh, the way we do our business here, we do uh, a lot of due diligence and, uh, you know, and character is a, is a big thing here. So uh, in, in this organization. So, uh, you know, we uh, you know, we stand on uh, we stand on our track record with, with that and uh, we do a lot of work on it. Hey, Mike, um, just back to Jeffers real quick. Can you say was this something that just came about yesterday morning or something that over time? that that decision was made? 
Yeah, we're not we're not going to comment on it. Okay. I guess sort of generally, could you tell us how you define um, personnel reasons as a term? Yeah, personnel reason is uh, an employment uh, issue. Uh, meaning, uh, un, uh, I guess, not related to on-the-field baseball performance? Correct. Again, Mike Rizzo not really elaborating on the Nationals' original statement that Jeremy Jeffers was released due to personnel reasons, an employment issue not related to baseball activity. And again, Amy and I don't want to speculate too much what happened, but Amy brought up uh, you know, the past that uh, Jeremy Jeffers has, off-the-field issues, uh, a DUI, um, reports of domestic violence, um, uh, two failed dr- uh, drug tests of drugs of abuse, uh, reportedly marijuana, um, so we don't want to expect that it was any of that. But the other thing I will only add to this, Amy, is that this just very much reminds me of Mike Rizzo's famous quote uh, back from 2018. It's like, you're either with us or you're in the way. Um, and uh, this seems like one of those situations where Mike Rizzo didn't think that the bite was worth the chew um, in terms of sticking out with Jamie Jeffers. Yep. And, you know, building a cohesive roster and everybody that's there for the right reasons, working together is really important. And it could have been a key piece, a part of their formula to winning the World Series. So you never know. You have to stick to what works, uh, stay true to your philosophy. And maybe that's what Mike Rizzo's doing here. (laughs) Yep. And we've also talked, touched briefly, too, that this might be the deepest and best bullpen the Nationals have had a couple of in a couple of years. Uh, So it was kind of really uh made that decision a lot easier that they micros or trust the depth that the nationals already have uh, in their relievers that uh, they did not need uh, Jeremy Jeffers to stick around uh, anymore, even though he might've helped on the field, not worth the, uh, the cause that he, uh, the, uh, or the, again, not speculating, but maybe the issues he would have brought off the field. So that's taken care of Jeremy Jeffers, no longer with the nationals closes that chapter. Um, and moving on to the starters, the rotation, Amy, and this is the, the heart of our conversation today discussing the state of the Nationals' rotation. We know the Nationals rely heavily on their starting pitchers. Mike Rizzo believes in starting pitching. Uh, they obviously rode this staff to a division championship, or not a division, a world championship just two years ago, um, and they're looking to do the same thing again. They've bolstered, added John Lester. They've got a healthy and and playing Joe Ross. They've got Eric Fetty and Austin Voth who have more experience underneath their belts of, to go along with, of course, the top dogs, Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbett. Uh, and, and they're all kind of looking for a bounce-back year this year, uh, Amy, and they're trying to get back to that state of being one of the best rotations in baseball. That's exactly right. I think every single person um, in this rotation needs to have a bounce-back year for, for the Nationals to be successful just because they were just so out of form and out of sorts last year in 2020. And it didn't end up being that big of a deal because just the state of baseball was in, the state of the entire that the entire team was in. Um, but it, spring training, how they get back and getting healthy is a really important part of that because not only were they not in true form, but everybody was kind of beat up. I mean, Strasburg only making the appearances that he did. Um, you know, now Scherzer coming into to camp a little beat up um, a little bit later in his career. Same with John Lester. Um, and of course, having surgery to remove his thyroid gland just uh, last week. Um, and Nobody was really in true form. Patrick Corbin um, needs to get get things going again, too. So 
Joe Ross taking the whole year off. So it's about being healthy, getting back into true form and, and being the key piece to leading the nationals to success. And that the, this rotation has the capability of doing that. Um, and if they don't, this could all fall apart. This formula could all fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like I mentioned, Mike Rizzo uh, prides himself on being able to have a, a, a wide selection of pitchers that to choose from uh, top quality guys too. Um, and just before we get started, before we kind of break down each of these, I guess, six guys, right? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys uh, who are either solidified in this rotation or are going to be contenders for this rotation this year. Uh, let's hear from Mike Rizzo once again, because he was asked and uh, part of that press conference yesterday, uh, what he thinks of how their nationals will construct the roster heading into uh, 2021 season. We, we know teams are considering different options, you know, with pitchers not throwing as many innings last year, guys taking the year off um, as well. So uh, Mike Rizzo was asked about his thoughts on how the nationals will construct the roster, maybe adding a couple more arms than usual for that exact reason. And also po- the, uh, the idea of possibly using a six man rotation to start the season. So here's Mike Rizzo. You know, uh, I'm going. To, we're, we're going to have to get together and see where our guys are stretched out too. Uh, I, I don't think it would be. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't think it would be uncommon to see uh, larger uh, pitching staffs uh, on opening day this year than than before. Uh, you, you could go with you know with a, a nine man bullpens if you if you uh, if you deem that your uh, starters aren't completely stretched out and that type of thing. So. Uh, those are, that's, a, that's a good question. We, st- we still haven't figured it out yet. Uh, we will by opening day, uh, and we'll know where all our, our starters are, how stressed out they are, and how deep we want to take them, uh, and then uh, kind, of, uh, uh, kind of create the roster uh, with that in mind. But uh, it's, uh, it's, going to be, it's going to take some creativity. It's going to take depth, and we're, we're happy uh, that we're happy with the depth that we have uh, uh, on the, on the 26 man roster, but also uh, on the 40 man and, and beyond. We think that uh, we're uh, we're as deep as we've been in a, in a long, long time. Could that be like potentially also a, a six man rotation? Would you consider that? I probably would not consider that. Uh, but uh, it, like we said, it's uh, there's going to be some creative ways to uh, to you know get these starters through games early on in the season until they're really comfortable and really built up. So we'll we'll uh, we'll just take it uh, day by day until we until we figure out what the construction of the roster is going to look like. Interesting questions there that Mike Rizzo addressed yesterday. Um, you know how many arms you're going to carry to start the season? Uh, deeper rotation, more men in the bullpen. Um, and are you going to have a six-man rotation? These are all questions that the Nationals are trying to figure out, and every team in baseball trying to figure out as spring training moves along and we get closer to opening day. Um, I, I think the Nationals are well-suited, though, Amy, if they wanted to carry a couple arms because they have guys who can play that versatile role of either being a starter or being a bullpen arm. And we'll get into the guys like Eric Fetty and Austin Voth in a little bit. Uh, but guys, we won't touch on too much. And we talked about before on the podcast, uh, Rolejo Armenteros is a guy that can play in kind of both roles too. So the Nationals feel like they have uh, a, 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 they got a lot of work to do, got a lot to figure out still. But, you know, they have options on the table in terms of how they want to construct this roster ahead of opening day. 
Great. I mean, the good part about having this this race for the fifth starter is that that means that you do have some options. And if you wanted to possibly start the season out with a six man rotation, you have the ability to do that because you have these extra arms that you think are good enough to be confi- be um, competing for that that fifth starter spot. So they have options. They have some depth um, and they might have depth in some arms that we we aren't even quite sure about. You know, they might see some promise and some guys that are kind of off the radar because we're we're so focused on Eric Betty Austin both and Joe Ross we just don't know just like you mentioned Armenteros right there we just don't know really who's in this race and as things get shaking we're in the middle of the season there might be some injuries hopefully not but if there are um, things could change for this Nationals uh, rotation and having the depth is probably the most important thing yeah absolutely but of course this rotation uh, starts at the top um, they've got some of the best pitchers in baseball at least over the course of their career not to mention their fourth starter is um, probably a sure ballot first ballot uh, first sure thing first ballot hall of famer and John Lester but we gotta start with the main guy right uh, we're gonna go uh, one by one through uh, these seven names guys who are gonna be of course staples in the rotation um, and guys who are going to be fighting for that last spot, and you'll probably see make a spot start here or there. But the main guy, the first guy off the list, Amy, of course, Max Scherzer, 37 years old, or will be 37 in July, 36 right now. He's on the last year of his seven-year $210 million contract he signed before the 2015 season, which is crazy of itself. We talked about that. Um, but then you look at his numbers last year. I mean, he's. we always talked about, Amy, you know, this. will this guy ever slow down? Will he ever not be as great as he is right now? And maybe last year was the first time we kind of saw that come to fruition. Of course, it was an odd 2020 season, but in 12 starts, he only went 5-4. and four. The 3.74 ERA struck out 92 and a whip of 13.81. Uh, his walk rate was the highest in a decade. That ERA was the highest he has ever had as a national uh, and the home run rate was his career worst, and he put more guys on base uh, than he ever has since 2011. So the numbers across the board, except for you know the the numbers that we can't really quantify and compare to past seasons, like strikeouts and walks and home runs allowed because of the condensed season, but you know percentage numbers are have gone up across the board for Max Scherzer compared to last year that we've seen in the past. And is that a sign of? Uh, him slowing down, maybe not being as effective as he has been in his career. That's to be expected, but how much of a drop-off are we kind of looking forward to, uh, if any, for Max Scherzer this year? Right, because in 2020, it was kind of hard to tell because most pitchers uh, had a down year. But, of course, it's going to happen at some point for Max Scherzer. And what's really key for him is not giving up those late-inning runs and keeping his pitch pitch count down. Just like you mentioned, he's letting too many guys on base. He's He walked guys at, at the highest rate of his career, and you just can't win games like that. And then you can't go deep into games. And that was an issue not only with Max Scherzer, but with this entire pitching staff, is that they couldn't count on them to go their expected innings. And then you rely on the bullpen, and that creates a plethora of issues, right? Um, so Max Scherzer just needs to keep – keep worrying about his control and control games like he's capable of when he can keep his pitch count down early, not get into trouble early. A lot of really great pitchers. That's when you can hit them right early on in games. Um, but if he can, can control the game early, then he's okay. But as soon as his pitch count gets up, he's letting guys walk, getting, letting guys get on base. And then he's giving up those, those late inning runs. The nationals are in trouble, but he made his debut Friday, pitched an inning in two thirds, gave up a hit, two earned runs, a walk and had two strikeouts. So I think everything kind of went expected to plan. Um, he said he wasn't even worried about his ankle. It was really, he's more worried about his arm, which is good news. That's good to hear that the ankle isn't an issue at all at this point. 
Um, but hopefully he'll get to his five starts that he needs to make over spring training. He'll keep building up, building up his pitch count, going deeper into these games. And then, you know, by opening day, he'll feel in true form and can control games early on. I mean, I think that's what's most important. What kind of are the expectations or what do you want to see out of him? I, I am I'm doubling down on that pitch count point there, Amy. I, I totally agree. I think that is the key for Max Scherzer this year. You look back to last year, he averaged 18 pitches per inning, which was two more than he averaged back in 2019. And we saw his pitch count get too high. And like we've said, you know, he's going to be 37 halfway through this season. His arm just isn't as strong as it once was. And that's fine. That's that's what happens. I mean, that's just the nature of getting older and becoming a more veteran player. Um, but as, you know, Mike, uh, Max talks all the time about you know, those last couple of pitches that you are throwing near the end of your outing. He always focuses on, uh, you know, we, we see him stalk them out. We see him get hyper-focused, hyper-amped up. He's using every bit of energy and adrenaline that he has left in his body to to get those last couple of outs. But last year, when his pitch count got over 100, he got absolutely crushed. Opponents hit 455 off him and hit three home runs, and he also gave up five walks. And then opponents also mustered a 15-26 OPS off him. So he needs to keep that pitch can down, like you said, especially early on in the game. He can't run into trouble. We're so used to seeing Max uh, get through quick innings early on, and that's how he's able to extend his outing uh, throughout the course of the game and get deeper into games. Um, So I I think first pitch strikes is obviously a a huge thing with him. Uh, He needs to get out of innings faster. Um, than we saw last year, and be, just be more efficient. You know, I don't know how that if that means uh, reworking the way he attacks hitters uh, because he is still so good, uh, and, and you know is going to be uh, one of the best pitchers of all time. And if he wants to readjust how he attacks hitters right now, but whatever it is, he needs to figure out a way uh, to get through innings quicker, throw less pitchers and pitches, and that is going to how he's going to ensure his longevity and ensure that he has sustained success throughout the course of the season because the Nationals can't afford him to get too tired in the second half of the season and, and you know start laboring in the fifth and sixth innings. I know he's older, like I said, but he also needs to be able to give the Nationals his 30-plus starts and his close to you know, 200, 300, whatever it may be, innings. Uh, otherwise, that's just a domino effect throughout the course of the bullpen and the rest of the rotation to pick up the slack. So I'm with you. The pitch count thing is definitely a major thing, uh, a point of emphasis for Max Scherzer this year. Um, and, and you mentioned the two walks. I mean, he hates putting guys on base, but the, he ran into trouble with that last year as well. Um, and he threw first uh, pitch strikes to eight of his batters that he faced in his debut, uh, but both of his walks came after he went up 0-2 against those batters in spring training and his spring training start on Friday. So those have to be eliminated, of course, and Max Scherzer really needs to hunker down and limit the amount of pitches he throws per outing. Yeah, there you have it. Getting ahead early, that's key. Um, and hopefully as you see him make more starts throughout this this spring training, you'll see those adjustments. You'll see him getting ahead early and keeping that pitch count down. That's so important. Um, and above all, it's staying healthy. Just like you mentioned, you need him to make those 30-plus starts. You need him to, to stay healthy throughout the entire season. Um, and that's true for this entire pitching staff. And it's true especially for Steven Strasburg, who hasn't made his debut on spring training yet, but I think we're going to see him tonight, right, Bobby? Yep, he's supposed to make his first start tonight uh, against the Astros, uh, the Nationals. I forget, I forget. It's so hard to keep track of who's the home team and who's the away team, but <laughs> they're, they're playing the Astros tonight at 6 o'clock. Steven Strasburg is set to make his debut. Um, and look, I mean, for him, this is just going to be all about health and, and being able to 
pitch this season, right? I mean, he only pitched the five innings last year. Uh, two games, he went 0-1. The ERA, of course, over 10 to two strikeouts. I mean, we can't make too much of that small sample size from last season. Uh, he's returning from carpal tunnel surgery in his right wrist. By all accounts, he's fully recovered and fully participating in spring training this year. Again, he's making his debut Tuesday night. Uh, we're, you're, we're used to seeing Strasburg make his debut later in the spring training. Of course, guys have already made their starts, and some guys in the rotation candidacy have already made a couple appearances. Steven Strasburg usually waits about a week or so before he gets into a game situation. Uh, but Dave Martinez and Mike Rizzo have said that, you know, he looks good in his bullpens. His pitch count is getting up there, so he should be full go, and his wrist is fine after last year. And for me, Amy, I mean, I don't want to, like, I, I don't think we can stress too much about Strasburg's numbers uh, until we see him pitch every fifth day on a consistent basis, right? I mean, we can talk about how he how well he did in 2019. And if this is, if this is the Steven Strasburg that we're going to see uh, in 2021, I think the Nationals are are playoff contenders and maybe even competing for a division title. 33 games, 18 and six, ERA of 332, over 250 strikeouts, and a whip just over one. If that's the Steven Strasburg the Nationals are getting over 33 starts, this team is uh, is an instant contender. Um, but that's the whole problem. That's the whole thing, right? We don't know if that's the Steven Strasburg that they're going to get on a consistent basis. So I don't think we can nitpick too much or worry too much about the numbers until we see the starts go up on a consistent basis. Yeah, that's, and that's exactly, and that's been the whole thing throughout his entire career is just staying healthy. When he's staying healthy, he's a threat. He's a force. I mean, MVP of the world series. Um, And it's just, it's just about staying healthy for him. Um, And he didn't really, he didn't have to change any part of his delivery, any, any part of his pitch grip from the surgery. So there aren't any adjustments that we need to particularly look for what has changed before and after the surgery. Um, What you need is him to be in healthy um, full season form uh, when opening day comes around and staying healthy. It's, it's monitoring his, his pitch count maybe at the beginning of the season. And that's where you kind of throw in the possibility for a six man rotation, keeping those guys healthy, uh, giving them an extra day of rest. Um, we don't know what, what's going to end up shaking out, but it's just about being healthy on opening day and, and staying healthy through the whole season because his whole career has been bogged down by injuries. Really what well, he, he has the ability. He's obviously an outstanding pitcher, but there's so many injuries um, I don't know if he's ever pitched an entire season, Bobby. Do you know if he's ever pitched a entire healthy season? I feel like every single year of his career, there's been he's missed games from injuries. You know? Yeah. Uh, well, he made the 33 starts in 2019. He made 28 in 2017, which was an all-star year for him. 30 all the way back in 2013. 28 back in 2012. So, yeah, he's got a track record, but he's only pitched 30. Oh, sorry, 34 even in 2014. So he's only pitched more than made 30 starts. One, two. Uh, three times in his career, uh, and then with a couple of 28s in there too. So, yeah, he, he seems like he has missed at least some time every single year. And, look, the Nationals, of course, are investing a lot in this guy. He's only 32 years old, and he's in the second year of that seven-year $245 million deal he signed at the 2019 Winter Meetings in San Diego. So the Nationals are are very much invested in Steven Strasburg, of course, uh, but moving forward too, you know, if he can't be making, what is it, like the 22 28, 5, 24, 23 starts a year that he made a handful of times throughout the course of his career. 
Uh, and like I said, I don't think we can nitpick too much on terms of the the numbers and, and the like the ERA and stuff until we see him make right. around thirty starts. Right? If we're getting into close to the All Star break and he's already made. I don't know. I don't have him but like what, 14 starts ish or whatever, or at least is on a way to being 30. Then yeah, let's talk about the numbers and, and, and his ERA and strikeouts and stuff like that. But until he does that on a consistent basis, I don't think it's worth our time discussing because the main thing is him being out there every fifth day to be the number two starter in this rotation. And like I said, if he is, and we're getting the Steven Strasburg of norm, where he's getting over 200 innings and he has an ERA around three and he's striking out over 250 guys, this team has to be an immediate contender. Of course, a lot of other things have to go right, right? But you would think a healthy Strasburg would equal uh, a really strong campaign for the Nationals this year. Right. Exactly. You're, you're right about that. And moving on to Patrick Corbin, is this is the guy that you kind of can talk about the numbers a little bit more because I think he might be the only one in this rotation that hasn't either mixed missed time or is coming into spring training with some sort of injury, health complication, whatever right. it may be. Uh, so he's kind of the one guy you can focus on uh, the numbers. And he made his debut on Saturday, pitched two innings, gave up two hits, one earned run, with with three strikeouts and uh, I kind of think the takeaway from him was that you know um, Jim Hickey loves the change up and now Patrick Corbin's mixing that in and he mixed it in pretty well in in his debut and this is a guy who's so slider heavy so to see him to mix it up and um, mix his pitch as well is really important Um, his velocity was still down and that's kind of the thing that you noticed um, last year, not only could he not go super deep into games, but that his velocity was down. And it's hard to tell in the first outing in spring training, whether that's even relevant. I mean, the velocity is probably not going to be there um, or where it can be. So you can't put too much stock into that, but it's something to keep an eye on. Um, But of course it was just his first debut. He'll probably get his five starts in um, before opening day and, and we'll see, but it's a guy you can look at the numbers a little bit more. Um, but they need him to be be the guy that he has been the past few seasons, um, not not the 2020 Patrick Corbin we saw. Yeah, I mean, taking a look at his 2020 numbers real quick, he, I mean, he made his 11 starts, but only went 2-7. and seven. Uh, The worst ERA of his career as a full-time starter uh, at 4.66. He's only struck out 60, a whip over 1,500. Um, so uh, one of the a very poor outing for Patrick Corbin. The only positive thing you can say is that he did take the ball every fifth day and he did run into some uh, run support issues uh, in a couple of those outings where he held opponents to only one or two runs, but the Nationals didn't score enough to get him a victory. Um, And so he did have flashes, but for the most part struggled. And you mentioned the velocity. Uh, It was really down from his fastball, down to about 90.2 miles per hour uh, from 91, almost 92 miles per hour in 2019. He also last year, of course, led the majors in hits allowed. He was the highest whip among all qualified major league starters. And and that fastball with the velocity down, opponents just jumped on it. They absolutely crushed it. Uh, They batted 392 off it and slugged 594 off of his fastball. So, yeah, the fastball is key for uh, for Patrick Corbin. If he can get that back uh, and and have a, uh, a consistent – because, like you said, slider, sinker, that's his bread and butter, right? That's the pitch that Patrick Corbin wants to throw more often than not, but it doesn't work if you don't have a fastball to compare it with or, or to go along with it. And so we're seeing him try to get his velocity back up, incorporate the changeup, um, and it's just kind of adding to that repertoire, right? If guys know that you want to throw – 
sinker slider and, and have a fastball going off it, they're just going to be sitting on that fastball whenever you throw it, especially if you lost velocity. But if you have a changeup to go with it, that makes that fastball a little more, you have to keep be a little more honest on that fastball and then in turn helps your sinker and your slider, uh, which of course the slider is one of the most deadliest pitches in all of baseball. So that's something that Patrick Corbin's working on. That's my outlook for him too. If he gets more fastball command, uses the changeup more, uh, gets more weak contact off of it, uh, or just avoid hard contact. Maybe it doesn't have to be weak, but just avoid loud outs um, and, and home runs. Patrick Corbin can have a bounce back year because we know that sinker and slider um, are deadly pitches and that he can get outs with it. Exactly. And then, you know, moving on to John Lester is a guy who hasn't made his, his spring debut either along with Steven Strasburg. And that's because he did have that surgery in New York to remove his thyroid gland. Um, but he's back, and it seems like he's healthy and, and ready to get back in the mix. Right, Bobby? Yeah. I, you know, it was kind of a scary moment. Of course, uh, John Lester was diagnosed with lymphoma back in 2006, and he underwent chemotherapy, returned in 2007, and pitched and helped, to obviously, when the, the Red Sox win a World Series that year. So, I mean, with a guy with a, his, a health history like that, Anything like the crops up like this is kind of scary. But by all accounts, he was back in camp. He had surgery back in New York on Friday, was able to get back and uh, back in camp on yesterday, Monday. And Mike Rizzo said that he now he's just working out with the pitching coaches and just trying to do some light workouts, see where his body's at. Uh, Mike Rizzo said that he's just sore in his the area where they did the surgery, but the rest of his body feels fine. So just kind of getting back into that rhythm of working out every day after a couple of days off and, of course, going uh, under, uh, undergoing surgery. Um, but, you know, with John Lester, Amy, it's, you know, assuming all things are healthy and not to mention there's no need for him to rush back right now. I mean, we're going to get into the other three guys uh, at the back end of this rotation and Ross, Fetty and Voth. So there's no I mean, they're going to they have guys to make starts. There's no need for, for John Lester to rush back to the mound uh, until he's fully ready. But once he is back, once he is in the rotation and making starts as the fourth guy in this rotation, my bottom line here, for Amy, if John Lester is just John Lester career averages across the board, that's all the Nationals really need from him, right? I mean, I mean, this is a guy, again, like a, a sure thing, Hall of Famer, uh, all-star, World Series champion. This guy has, knows, what, and he doesn't have to be the main guy in this rotation. We've talked about this plenty of times. If he's just his career averages across the board, uh, and we look back at his 2020 numbers, I mean, he had a lot of good, but some bad. But when he was good, he's really good. If that's just the, the, the minimum, the average for him, the Nationals have a strong rotation and a really, really good for the starter. Right. The good news about him is just because he, he's a veteran guy, has been around so long and has those great numbers, it means that you, you, he, he has a um, – more of a leash and you don't have to worry about some of those things. So when he comes back into this camp and, and he's just, just trying to get out there, just trying to get healthy and just trying to put up those consistent numbers and make that start every fifth day. That's what it comes down to. Um, he'll be fine. So you don't have to worry about him because he's been around the block and he's had a injury history, but he bounces back. It seems like he bounces back every single time, knock on wood. Um, and, and he's been reliable and he's been consistent throughout his entire career. And that's what makes a, a, a great starter, especially in their veteran years. And that's what makes a great fourth starter, right? Um, you just need him to be reliable. You need him to be consistent. And that's what he's been. So just like you said, if he, as long as he can put up those average uh, numbers that he's put up through his entire career, um, don't need him to be super crazy spectacular like he used to be. Um, 
but as long as he stays healthy, can can average it out, he'll be all right. And the Nationals will be all right. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I mean, the the whole idea for this guy is that he's a bulldog, except for 2020. And even if you extrapolate that over a course of a normal season, uh, John Lester has made at least 31 starts every year since 2008, and the Nationals will take that every single time, right? Um, and then if you average out his his ERA and his win percentage, that's like a 3.60 ERA, maybe even a little lower. And uh, like a little over 15 wins, so he wins more than half of them. Uh, uh, he's got a career 6.35 win percentage. So, you know, if he's making 31 starts and 16, 17 wins uh, with an ERA around 3.50 ish, I think that's that's a huge steal for the Nationals, considering they're only guaranteeing him five million dollars for this year. Uh, and like I said, I mean, he does not need to be the ace. He does not need to be the go-to guy. He is essentially a major upgrade. Not, this is no offense to Anibal Sanchez, but he's essentially a better Anibal Sanchez in that fourth starter spot. And this might be the best fourth starter the Nationals have had since uh, Doug Fister, you know, back in what, 2014, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. 15. So, um, yeah, uh, this is a huge upgrade for the Nationals at this spot, a, a place where we have said the Nationals needed to really address this offseason, and they did in a big way. Again, all things healthy and all things averaging out. John Lester should be a, a huge part in this rotation and, and keeping the Nationals as contenders because he's a guy that Davey Martinez can trust to go out there uh, every fifth day and, and give the Nationals a chance to win, if not almost dominate at times too. Uh, so John Lester is a big part of this rotation. And again, staying healthy will be a key factor for him. That's a caveat for all of these guys, right? You know, everyone needs to stay healthy. This isn't going to be perfect, I think. Uh, you and I talked about it last week a little bit or even the week before. We heard coaches say, we know it's not going to be perfect. Uh, nothing is going to go according to plan, but we've got a lot of good uh, backup plans in place for when things do kind of go awry. So if John Lester can get you 30 starts, that's great. And I think we can just w- go from there um, and, and work out the numbers from there. All right, moving on to the more kind of interesting part of this conversation. And this is, of course, we've talked about this a lot, too. Maybe not as in-depth as we're about to. And, you know, for those who are watching on Facebook and YouTube, be sure to be commenting along um, and uh, and checking out. Uh, Don Smith just said podcasts are lame. So thank you for watching. Um, really appreciate it on Facebook. But, you know, uh, a lot of comments on on YouTube. So we appreciate everyone ch- uh, chatting along. But the interesting part of this conversation is, of course, the back end, right? Who's going to be that fifth starter spot? Joe Ross, Eric Fetty, Austin Volk. Let's start with the guy who is back, who just made his uh, first start in almost exactly a year yesterday in Joe Ross. And it was good to see Joe Ross back on the mound. Um, and he actually pitched really well. He got three strikeouts and I think it was two innings uh, against the Mets. So Joe Ross, after a year off, back, healthy, ready to go. Right, exactly. I kind of, I think I forget just how much faith maybe is the word that Davey Martinez has in Joe Ross. And confidence? Confidence, yep. Because we talked so much about this this um, fight for the, for the fifth starter role, but really it seems like Davey Martinez thinks Joe Ross, as long as he's healthy, is his guy. He's not going to say the job is his right now, and he said literally, I'm not going to say that. But it does seem as long as he's healthy, kind of the job is his. So it's kind of interesting because we talk so much about this and we talk about their depth at the rotation because they do have the Austin both and the Eric Fetty. But it seems like Joe Ross um, has that confidence in the manager, and that's the most important thing. But, yeah, like you said, faced seven batters in his debut, 39 pitches, um, and he's thrown three live VP sessions, I think, before that. So he's on pace. Um, to, to make his five starts and, and be ready for opening day. And 
that's really key is to feel back and form because taking a year off, um, not being in game situations for an entire year can can change things a little bit for a guy's career. So the most important thing is that he gets back out there. He feels right. And it seems like he did in his debut, everything kind of went according to plan. He'll work back up and hopefully by opening day, if he's healthy, if he's, you know, ready to compete, it seems like that, that job is his. Yeah. And of course, this isn't the first time that Joe Ross has bounced back, right? He missed all of 2020 due to an opt out, but he also had Tommy John back in 2017. Um, and you know, it took him some time to get his feet, back underneath him and, and, and get back into the groove of things. But looking at his 22 number, uh, tw- excuse me, 2019 numbers, um, not great. Uh, the 27 games, uh, four and four record ERA over 540, um, only 57 strikeouts and a pretty high whip above 1600. But it was really the last eight starts of that season. And this doesn't even include the game five spot start for Max Scherzer in the world series. But over his last, his last eight games of 2019, he went four and one, a two seven five ERA, and that was really kind of showing the flashes of the Joe Ross that we kind of knew pre Tommy John. And if Joe Ross can kind of recapture that, uh, those last eight starts back in 2019, or even where he was uh, back uh, before Tommy John surgery when he went seven and five in 19 starts. Um, in a three four three ERA, I think the Nationals will be very happy to see that. And you mentioned the confidence; it's not just Davey too. Mike Rizzo has confidence that Joe Ross can take this uh, and run with it as well. And I think Joe Ross kind of expects it of himself too. I mean, he is was kind of uh, no one has said he's the front runner or the favorite. I think he was even asked, and people uh, like I think it was Davey that kind of didn't like to use that term, but. You know, for all accounts and purposes, he is the front runner and is the favorite. And the Nationals would really, and I've said this all along, the Nationals would really like him to be the fifth starter um, and, and really solidify himself into that spot. So if he can recapture end of 2019 form, pre-Tommy John form, uh, and, and be the Joe Ross that can go make uh, 20, 25 starts uh, a year, an ERA that's workable, passable, um, stuff like that. I think the Nationals would like that. And, of course, the other guys are going to make starts as well, right? It's not going to just be Joe, uh, even with the possibility or Mike Rizzo not liking the idea of a six-man rotation. Uh, there are two other guys in of this mix as well who have experience as early as last year because Joe Ross opted out and Steven Strasburg got hurt and, and making this rotation and making a bunch of starts for this team. And one of them being Eric Fetty, who has been – a guy that we've talked about a lot uh, over the past handful of years. Is he going to be a bullpen arm? Is he going to be a starter? We're not quite sure. Um, um, but the one thing that he has flexibility with is that rare fourth year option that he still holds on to. Right. And I think sometimes, especially right out of spring training, sometimes those can be used against you, right? He's the only guy out of these three that has that has that option. But just in that game where Ross debuted, Fetty pitched two innings, two scoreless innings of relief. Um, and uh, both has also had flashes of some good outings uh, throughout spring training. I think he's made the most out of all of them, right? Yeah, both I think it's made, three. Oh, Fetty three and both two. But I think both might be like on schedule to go tonight. So it yep. probably they're neck and neck. And so at this, exactly when, you know, my point is at this point, you know, it's really kind of hard to tell because these guys are just amping things up, um, make appearances here and there. Nobody's really 
the front runner as far as what they've shown in spring training yet. Um, and maybe it doesn't even matter really, as long as Joe Ross looks like he he's good to go, then it's his job. But just like you said, you're going to see all of them. Right. Um, and that's, what's so important is having, having that depth um, and that rotation ability to change things around. So um, you, you'll see, you'll see flashes of each of these guys, um, and, and it's important to keep an eye on them throughout spring training and see who really is the front runner from your eyes, right? We kind of know from, from, uh, Davey Martinez, Mike Rizzo, but what you're seeing in spring training is important too. Yeah. And I think looking back at Eric Fetty's 2022, I mean, there's, there's some good and bad there as well. I mean, he, he appeared in 11 games. He went two and four and you're already close to four thirty. Uh, whip over 1,300. Uh, he pitched in just over 50 innings total. Uh, he made eight starts out of those 11 games. Uh, but it was his final three starts, Amy, and against good lineups, Braves, Marlins, and Phillies, where he uh, only gave up five runs and 19 base runners over 18 innings. And then he also, over that course, topped the 100 pitch mark twice. So he was given a leash, and he was given the opportunity to go out there and prove what he can do, and he pitched well enough to stay into the game. Um, and he also came out of that season with pretty good reverse splits, surprisingly enough. He was able to use his sinker really well, induce weak contact, uh, and he was very effective against left-handed hitters. They just batted 188 with a 590 OPS against him, while right-handers hit 278 with an 889 OPS. So, uh, you know, he found success late in that season. I feel like we talk about this a lot with him and both that somehow they figure it out near the end of the season and can they carry it over to the next season? Um, this is going to be a telling because like we said, Eric Fetty has that fourth option, which is a good and bad thing. That means that he's probably expendable from the major league roster to start opening day because they know the, Na- the nationals know they can't lose him uh, to waivers uh, before the regular season starts. So my guess is that they're going to want to see him pitching every fifth day, unless they're desperate for a bullpen arm. So for me, Eric Fetty be ready to pitch every fifth day, uh, whether that be at, at AAA um, or or with the major league club. Ideally, that wouldn't happen because that means an injury occurred um, and whatever that may be. And But also be ready to come out of the bullpen because I, you're going to be used. I don't see any changes in how the Nationals will use uh, Eric Fetty this year that we've seen in the past. Just the way the roster is constructed and the flexibility that he has to go back down to the minors. They'll, make, they'll use him to make spot starts when they need him, but they'll also use him out of the bullpen when they need a long reliever and a guy that can eat up innings um, maybe midway later in the season. Uh, but I would expect to see Eric Fetty again start his season at AAA just because he can, right? And the Nationals can't afford uh, to, or maybe they, they won't want to at this moment, put Joe Ross or Austin Voth on waivers. Right. I mean, the good news for both of these guys and Fetty and both is that they have the ability to pitch in back-to-back days and they could be the long arm out of the bullpen also. So that gives Davey Martinez some flexibility and gives them more more room, wiggle room um, in making the roster and make, maybe making the opening day roster. So we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but the key part is you're right. They have to be ready to pitch just like everybody else and, and the dominoes will fall where they may. Yep. <laughs> Yep, and the last guy, Austin Voth, of course, and here's a guy that uh, we talked a lot about at the end of last season. Um, you know, he was called upon to pitch every fifth day because, of course, with Joe Ross opting out and the injury to Steven Strasburg. Um, another guy where credit where credit is due, he he made his starts, and they weren't always pretty, but he made them, so he at least gave out went out there. 
Um, and another guy who found success late in the season. He pitched 11 games, a, th- a 634 ERA. That was higher before uh, the end of the season. Um, he went 2-5, and five, struck out 44, whip over 1,500. Um, here's the thing, though. He does not have that option. So if the Nationals don't have a space for him on the Major League roster, they're going to have to expose him uh, to waivers. Uh, and, and that's going to be an interesting dynamic for this for this team because – He's not going to be, assuming Joe Ross takes that fifth starter spot, he's not going to be a starter, right? So he's going to be another long arm in that bullpen, and we'll see how the Nationals construct this pitching roster as we get closer to opening day. But Voth is kind of, you know, hanging in limbo right here because he's not a full-time starter. He's not a full-time relief arm. He's got experience doing both. It's just a matter of how the Nationals decide to construct their roster and what what needs present themselves as the season moves on. Right, because really last year, both won that spot. When Straws got hurt, you know, both was expected to make that start every fifth day over Fetty, um, but he didn't really put up the numbers that he should have to earn it and keep that spot. Um, and, of course, both of these guys kind of had flashes of, of a lot better appearances at the end of the season, but how much does that really matter and can it carry over is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And And looking at his numbers even more, he might serve better as a reliever. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. when you he, he really faced the most struggles or the most difficult time when he faced a lineup for a second time. The first time he faces an opponent through the batting order, they only hit 232 off him with a 262 on base percentage and a 747 ops. The second time through, those numbers are just going through the roof. They hit 351 with a 462 and an 1151 ops, uh, respectively, for, for off Austin Voth. So that kind of suggests maybe he is better suited to pitch out of the bullpen than being a full-time starter uh, just because he finds success early in his starts and not throughout the longevity of his starts. Uh, and he also lost velocity uh, a lot during his, his outings. You know, second time through the order, fourth, fifth, sixth. I mean, he, never re- he rarely got through the sixth inning, so more so that fourth and fifth inning. We saw his velocity dip. Uh, you know, in September, he kind of changed it around. Again, another guy that finished strong. Uh, he tried to use his legs more to gain more power. Uh, he got deeper in his last two starts. He, of course, he pitched that complete game. Um, it was a seven-inning doubleheader game, but a complete game nonetheless for Austin Voth near the end of the season. So he has flashes. Shorter outings seem to be better suited for him, um, which might translate into a, a full-time bullpen arm. Again, it's just a matter of how the, the roster is constructed, um, how the Nationals see uh Joe Ross uh, and Austin, and Eric Fetty fit in their plans, and then I think Austin Voth will then move uh, in according with them as a, the last domino to fall, so, so to speak, because I don't think that they're going to just thrust him into, you know, you're the sixth guy or you're definitely a bullpen armor. Yeah, they got to see how other things play out mm-hmm. first before making that final decision. Yeah, I think towards the beginning of the season, you'll see see some moves, some changes, and trying some things out. Um, and the national starts slow anyway, right? So you kind of have some room um, to try some things out. And you made really good points there about in his shorter outings and his velocity dipping and, you know, seeing once you see the, um, the lineup sees him a couple times, his his numbers drop. So that maybe that's what this will be the year that he really does settle into a bullpen, bullpen row role, Bobby. <laughs> Um, it's early i know this this is early for for us yeah. on this podcast um but he's 28 and maybe this will be the year that he, he kind of settles into that role and, and finds his spot 
on a big league roster. Yeah, and he, you know, I you kind of mentioned his spring training outings already. No walk so far. That's always a good sign, Dave. He does not like guys on base. We do, they don't have to be. So maybe that's a little sign to, that uh, Austin Voth is kind of finding his own form. Um, and just again, it just depends on where the Nationals see him fitting best into their roster. Um, all right, that's the main seven guys of, of the Nationals rotation. Thank you guys so much, everyone, commenting along. Amy, any kind of last thoughts um, on this Nationals rotation as we uh, conclude up this podcast and uh, look forward to the bullpen next week? Now, I just think the most important thing is that they stay healthy and come opening day, everybody in this rotation is healthy and ready to go and put the, the, a full, so full season workload on their back. That's the most important thing because this rotation is, is the, the heart um, and soul of this team. Um, and if the rotation fails, the team's going to fail. If the rotation does well, this team has the ability to do really well. Yeah, health, of course, is always number one. And I always think, too, it's, you know, it's not what goes wrong. It's how you react to what goes wrong. So guys who can step up and, you know, when inevitably someone has to make a spot start, if they can uh, pitch uh, admirably and give the Nationals a chance to win. That's all I ask for from my starting pitchers, especially not named Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin. And I guess I'll even throw Lester in there. Just give the Nationals a chance to win. Um, every day you're out there, and that's all we can really ask for. And we'll see how this lineup maybe back up their pitchers. You'll run into some bad luck here and there. That's okay. But as long as it's a more of a consistent outing uh, and Dave Martinez can grow in his faith in these guys, especially near the back end, I think uh, the Nationals will be well suited. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we're looking at it. If everything goes right, we're looking at another season where this this rotation is carrying this team towards another postseason berth um, and possibly another division title, which they haven't done since 2017. So uh, it's going to be something, a storyline to watch out for. Of course, everyone looks for the Nationals uh, starting rotation, um, and they're the ones that draw the headlines with these names. So it'll be interesting to see how they progress throughout the season. Uh, and if they can stay healthy and, and effective. Uh, thanks for everyone tuning in. Uh, if you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, we really appreciate the comments. Uh, we got a lot on YouTube today, so I really appreciate everyone tuning in. looks like there was a good amount of conversation happening throughout the course of the show on YouTube. Um, uh, Facebook, everyone who likes and shares and comments, we really appreciate your joining in as well. Uh, be sure to catch the Mass and All Access podcast after the fact. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud. Rate, subscribe, share, spread the word. We really appreciate everyone, Thanks, everyone. Uh, for uh, tuning in um, on those podcasting platforms as well um, and, uh, and and checking out the show whenever they can. So we really appreciate it. At Amy Jennings News for Amy on Twitter. Be sure to give her a follow. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Uh, that's going to do it. Amy, so much. Uh, excuse me. Thank you so much for joining me this week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. See you next time. As we get closer and closer to opening day. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, Be sure to stay safe, stay healthy out there. We really appreciate the time and uh, all your views and clicks. And uh, as we get closer to spring training, we'll be uh, uh, breaking down the bullpen next week. We'll look at the roster in more advance in a couple of weeks, too. And we just have three more episodes before opening day. Should be sure to stay locked in. More coverage on MassInSports.com on your nationals. Be sure to check out the website. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay safe, stay happy, stay healthy. We'll see you next time.